believe it's time for us to begin our Bible study this morning. It's really great to see everybody visiting with one another and fellowshipping together with one another. That's a fantastic endeavor, fantastic thing, and I, I hated to interrupt it. Good to see everybody this morning, and it's always great to stand before you. And in the way of an announcement, won't be able to be with you tonight. I'm sure that's been announced previously, but I'm thankful to the elders uh, for affording me the opportunity to be in London tonight at Mount Zion in the effort to appoint two new elders, the congregation there. And I'm especially thankful to Brother Shelby. He's standing in for me this evening. So as he told me last Sunday night, and I fully agree, said you'll finally get to hear a good preacher after all this time. And he's right. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. And I hope that you all can tolerate me uh, in two weeks when, I, when I'm back. I guess I'll be in Hazard the next week, and then I'll be back, Lord's will, on the normal schedule. But thank you, Shelby, and thank you to the elders and to all of you for affording me this opportunity. I don't know how long it's been since they've appointed a, a new elder at the Mount Zion congregation. I know Brother Beckner and uh, Brother Prophet and Brother Angst have been, uh, as long as I can remember, uh, they've been three of the elders. They had five at one time, and because of uh, one passed away and one uh, lost his wife and uh, didn't think himself to need to be serving as well as, a, as an elder anymore. Um, and he said where well, they had three, but four with him, he didn't mind. There's still a, plur- a plurality. And uh, for at least, I would say, 15 to 20 years, uh, that's how long it's been. I'm, I'm estimating, but I would say. And it's just because of age. That's it. Brother Onks is in his early 80s now, and uh, Brother Begner is not far behind him. And Brother Prophet is probably in his early 70s, so he's going to continue to serve, he said, for five or six more years. And then he will do the same because of advanced age. So they're appointing a brother, another Brother Beckner, Danny Beckner, his nephew, and then Brother Stanley Prophet, who both served as deacons for years and years. And uh, Brother Stanley uh, preaches as well and has preached all over the Tri-County area and, and all into Perry County. And, Maybe even up in Lincoln, Garrett, and, and uh, Madison, this area as well, perhaps. Um, but two well-qualified men, and looking forward to participating in that. And I know it's a worthy labor. Um, we've talked about non-institutional position for some time. And we've covered uh, various, various topics in our Bible study. And I just wanted to ask you if you were satisfied with the study as it has been and, and you want to move forward to another topic starting this morning, or if you have a, a further question uh, regarding uh, that position that we need to discuss. So I want to open the room up, please, and you tell me if, if you're satisfied with what we've studied 
or if you uh, have a, another topic associated with that position that you would like to investigate. I'm going to ask you a question. I may have missed you saying this at some point, but what percentage of churches of Christ would fall under the anti-flag, for lack of a better way of saying it? Well, last number that I looked at, Daniel, and I'm about, I'm about to say don't quote me on this, but it, it's, it's less than 10%, I believe. Less than 10%. Of Church of Christ congregations in 2019 across America, this is America only. So across the United States, less than 10% holds the position. And even the ones that hold the position, there's so much variance from congregation to congregation. For example, one congregation may think it's wrong to help a non Christian financially with. Uh, the church's money, the Lord's money, but then they may think it's okay to support uh, a radio program between four congregations. They may, and another may be against both. And say, uh, some may think it's wrong to eat a meal anywhere. Some may say you could have a shelter over here as long as it's so many feet away from where you worship. So. There's, there's variance there, but about 10% is what I saw. Well, then let me ask this, because, you know, we've been, our church, but a lot of churches are active in mission work in various places, and, you know, India and, you know, South America and what have you. Where do the anti-churches stand on missionary work, both in and out of the country, and church establishment, it's particularly, I guess, outside of the country? And of course, then the ultimate question is anti-church. Is the anti-church idea beyond the U.S. borders? Yes. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Yes, uh, they would firmly be opposed to any kind of society or any kind of uh, organization sending and them supporting that would, would never. Uh, be done, but yes, I, I do not think they're opposed from their local congregation uh, supporting someone who would be willing to go uh, under that eldership. However, the majority of the 10% uh, would be opposed to having three congregations work together to send some in. They would very much oppose that because they would say that that would look the independence of the congregation would be compromised. In that way. Yes, sir. I know a lot of those churches believe that I can send money to help India, but the church cannot. Yes, yes, That's and that is true as well. Very much so. Uh, the, the Fort Logan Church, of course, which I, me and Lomine, attended for a long time, they support, they call it the work in South America, and we were even involved, me and her was involved with sending money to a preacher down there that he could preach. Uh, years ago, and the church supports preachers down there, and Wayne goes down there uh, and stays as much as three months a year now down there, and working with the congregations down there. And they say they have over 90 congregations down there in Columbia, South America. So, and they are called a, a, a quote unquote an anti. Yeah, Non-institutional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yes, ma'am. That's a question that I've had, even like Fort Logan. Mm -hmm. How do you know they're anti? That, I mean, what they don't say we're anti, do they? Are no. 
No, we, we know because we live in the community and we know individuals that attend there. We've talked with the elders, the preacher, we know the stance. But no, if you, if you went attend there this morning, it would be very similar worship service to what we have, extremely. But it, it's the, and, and what I have found out is even within the 10% that I've been accustomed, uh, half of the members don't know they stand that way. No. I talk to people and they'll say, well, I never knew we had that position. But they, we just, it's understood. It's been this way for years and they only talk about it. Outside gospel meetings, they will. They'll have someone come in and teach on those things. But uh, it's kind of understood, you know. A lot of individuals, they don't know that, that I'm opposed to mechanical instruments and music. They'll come at work and talk to me about we're having this Christmas play and we're having all this Christmas music, you know, and I'll smile and they know I'm a member of the Church of Christ, but they're not familiar with Church of Christ enough to know really where we stand, you know, so I try to share with them. But no, it's, it's not on a billboard or anything, but if you go to, uh, say you went to Google and you typed in such and such Church of Christ congregation, you'll find directories online. And one of those directories may say, if you're looking for the non-institutional congregations, here's this directory. And Stanford would not be on it. Or Mount Zion, where I was you know, raised a lot of my life, would not be on it. But Mill Street would down in London because they hold that position. So down in London, uh, I know because of Brother Bruner and uh, Brother Hopkins and Brother Hayes, I know them personally. And we've had many discussions and Mill Street actually left Mount Zion years ago, split off over these things, and established that congregation across town, to the which now they don't hold three-fourths of what they split over. They studied themselves right out of it, but they still established that congregation. At that time, those brethren were requiring women to wear dresses in the worship service, or it was a sin if you didn't. And they are requiring a head covering in the worship service beyond hair as well. And now they require neither. And that was really the two points. But then they also held on to the non-institutional position when it came through. They adopted it. I want you to know that that position is not the traditional position. That position came along years after the church was established. Uh, but yes, Daniel, I hope that answers your question. And Brother Leland did an excellent job. So the individual and the congregation at Fort Logan will support that work in Columbia. Okay. And that church that's up there now is because they think that this church wasn't a sound church and said we needed to start a sound church because I was, me and Bonnie was came with them when they first started that up there. Mm -hmm. We were the originally four members members that came and started that church up there. Yes, sir. Thank you, Leland. And Leland gives us great insight, and I appreciate that. And I think it would be important to note that there are really terrific people involved yes. in non-institutional churches yes. everywhere. And if you kind of even think, like, you know, there's not going to be a sign on the door that says that. And I, if you're driving through some random town and random state on vacation and went to a non-institutional church, you'd find it pretty much the exact same as what you'd find if yes. you were driving through Stanford here today. Yes. So, I mean, that it's, you know, there are definite doctrinal differences and understandings, but there are a whole, a whole you know, if we're doing a 90 and we're 
similar yeah. in a lot of ways, it, you would say as well. And, and like you said a minute ago, most people wouldn't, you know, on a on a Sunday morning from eleven o'clock to noon, you probably wouldn't notice one single difference. Correct. Right. Unless it would be a one cup congregation, which you I passed this morning down at Chestnut Ridge in Rockcastle County is a one-cup congregation, believes it to be a sin to have plural communion cups. So those individuals would say, look at Fort Logan and say, they're just not sound enough. They've got those plural communion cups there. So you can take that position, then you can get even further uh, to the right, if you will, conservative, uh, even on that position, till you get to the point, like I shared with you at the beginning, down in London at what was called Green Acres at one time, it's called Southside now, has no indoor plumbing. They don't. Because there's no authority for spending the Lord's money on water fountains or indoor plumbing. So you just don't use the restroom there. It's just that simple. You, they have, I guess they have an outhouse. I'm guessing. I don't know where the authority for that is either. But <laughs> anyways, uh, it's just how far you want to go with that position. Uh, and Brother Daniel is exactly right. Uh, I love all those brethren. I would worship with those brethren in a heartbeat. I, I respect that the elders take that stance there. But scripturally speaking, there's no doubt that here at Stanford, our elders are within the bounds of Scripture in what we are doing. And that was the effort of this study. And studying this in the past as well is I want you to have a clear conscience about what we are doing scripturally. If we could not prove it scripturally, our elders will not be participating in it. It's just that simple. So I want you to be prepared if someone does come to you and say, why do you help those children? Where is that authorized in Scripture for the church to give them a backpack with the Lord's money? I want you to be able to turn to the Scriptures we've looked at and share those scriptures and bring that forward. I want you to say it's, it's more important to help a child to maintain a lawn. So you all use your money to put a nice design in front of the church building with your name on it, and that's fine, but we can't help a starving child. Which will Jesus ask us about in the judgment day? Did you plant pretty flowers out front, or did you clothe me when I was in need? Which one? And that's just one example. Jesus lets it rain on the just and the unjust. He provides food for the unjust. He is the body. So therefore, we can conclude that He's not opposed to that. And then we've got Galatians 6.10, James 1.27, 2 Corinthians 9.13, so on and so forth. So if you're trapped and uh, you're trying to help someone, you're trying to help Well, I would have a hard... I mean, uh, yes, I could, but I would have a difficult time because the worship service is correct, the teaching of salvation is correct, but I would have a difficult time because the first time that I saw someone turned away, uh, I guess I would feel it would be my individual responsibility to step in there, I suppose, and try to help them, but that would burden me 
it would burden me to know that where I was worshiping had 80, 90, 100, $120,000 in the bank drawing interest and that we are doing nothing to assist with that. You know, that would bother me. So I would seek out a congregation that is closer to the Scriptures in those aspects. But could I be able to worship there with a clear call? I could, yeah. But I would rather worship somewhere that didn't have those restrictions. If there was only church around, I could worship there. But if, it, if there was an alternative, I would not. Because I, I've talked to the anti-people, and I've got lots of relatives in the anti-church, you know. And uh, I love them very much, like Dan said, and they're really, really good people. But I really believe that as a general rule, the work of the church is not getting done. Yeah. Those people are attending regularly. They're preaching the truth regularly all the time. But as far as putting money, you know, to help people that need, and that's part of the that's part of the job of the church is to be benevolent. And when they tell me that I can do it and you can do it and Ben can do it, but we can't do it together as a church, then you're telling me the church can't practice pure religion and I can't go there. No, I cannot. Jesus, if Jesus was sitting in the front pew, we talked about this a few weeks ago, he's sitting in the front pew, somebody walked in and was hungry, and is it my responsibility to feed them? Is it Melvina's? Or is it the church? The church needs to feed them. Yeah. The church should feed them. And as you always said, who receives the glory? If I do it, Brent Baker receives the glory. But if the church does it, Jesus Christ receives the glory. Now I may tell them, but I'm talking the individual. When they go out, they're going to say this. Stanford Church of Christ would do nothing for me. But one of their members came out and helped me. That's what they're going to say. Because I've, I've encountered it. I know it. Mill Street tells individuals all the time, we can't help you, but Mount Zion will go see them across town. I mean, they come and tell us that. Yeah. Well, Mill Street wouldn't. Now, they're, they're Church of Christ as well. So, yes, sir. You said that the church doing it would give Christ the glory. Yeah, that, that's our goal. I told them that same, very same thing whenever they asked me, you know what their response was? He can still get the glory if you do it individually, but the church does not have authority to, put, to do the Lord's money because it says... The collection was for the saints. Yes, yes. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. It's the saints, it's the saints' responsibility to give on the first day of the week, free will given. And that collection, that particular one, they were going to take and give to needy saints in Jerusalem. What they had difficulty with is the same 2 Corinthian writing says that that liberal distribution of the giving and the gospel was to them and all men. So you have authority. And they asked me about uh, what of scriptures do you use uh, for what y'all are doing down there about assisting people on the work? Uh -huh. And I said, well, Galatians 16, James 1.27. And they just kind of shook their head like that. You know, and they never made any response to me. Well, they can't, Leland. What they're going to try to tell you is that's individual only, but it's written to the churches of Galatia. So you have to, you have to completely throw out the first chapter. Then you have to throw out verse nine before it, which says, "Let us more than one." And then Galatians six ten says, "We as we have opportunity." And to try to say that that's written to an individual when it says "we." is to ignore the most basic rule of English available, that we is more than one. 
if it's individuals, then the church can do it. They can't say, well, there was two there because then they're positioned to feed it right there. So if we just had Galatians 16 and that's all we had, we would still have authority. You would. But James 1.27, please remember when it says Himself, that's the same word as oneself here, which refers to the congregation. It's not separate. So pure and undefiled religion can be practiced by the church to help the orphan and the widow. You can. I think to answer, go back to kind of the question that Boo asked there a minute ago, I think that's why it's important for the church to regularly teach explanations for why they do what they do. Sure. You don't have to have this. I mean, sure. if you're finishing this lesson today, you don't have to start again tomorrow. I don't mean sure. that. But I, I think we need to regularly preach and teach to our own members why is it that we do what it is that we do. And it doesn't have to be a critical way of other places uh, and uh, what other places do, but just an explanation. Because, you know, you said 50% of the people at a non-institutional church probably wouldn't know what they're doing. Well, 50% of the people in our church may not know why we do what we do if, they're, if you're not taught. Because they're just things that if you just assume that people know, there's no real proof that people are going to understand. And so regularly teaching on, you know, why you, you know, why you give or why you take the Lord's Supper. Why do we preach? Why do we sing? You know, why, why anything? You know, if, if you're not regularly teaching on those kinds of things, your population's not going to understand whenever somebody asks them why it is that they do it. So you got to teach the whole gospel of God, and that includes, it includes everything. Yes, the whole council. And Brent, we've talked about this, uh, it, widows and orphans, it's plural. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, you and Danielle, there's two of you that are Christians in that household. And you have Taking two of each. And two orphans, and she would do two. That would be that would be eight people that you all would. Yeah, I couldn't do it. You can't do it. Can't afford it. Couldn't do it. And then there are people people in the congregation that are very poor, and they can't help it. There's nothing wrong with being poor. God loves you just the same. Okay, but you can't afford. You barely can keep your own lights on and your own food in the refrigerator. How are you going to support people? Well, then you're telling me Miss Poor Widow here that gave too much, which really wasn't anything. But it meant everything to God. She can't practice pure religion because she'll have the money to do. Because it says to look after them, okay? It don't just mean just drop in every now and then for a visit. Hi, how are you doing? Hope, you, hope you're warm and fed. See you. That's not what it means. It means Correct. to take care of, to feed them when they're hungry, to clothe them with. That's what Jesus described in the judgment scene in Matthew 25. Not did you pay the electric bill collectively. And that's, that's the part I don't understand. They can, you can pay the electric bill, the insurance bill, or the fertilizer bill collectively, but you cannot feed a hungry person. Collectively. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's inconsistent. It's, it's, and that's what happened to me. You know, As most of you all know, before I say that, let me say this. This issue is still prevalent. It's not as prevalent. Because it's like 90-10. It's, you know, most congregations don't hold that position anymore. We just happen to live in an area of the country here in Kentucky where it's pretty prevalent still. And other places, it's hard to find, okay? Like, when I went down to Tennessee to participate in that guest speaker series, I mentioned to one of the elders, he had lived in Tennessee, he didn't know what I was talking about. He said, we, there's no congregation... But Brother Hall did because he's from Cumberland, Kentucky originally. But he said down here in Johnson City, 
Christians won't know what you're talking about because it's just non-existent. But in Kentucky, it's fairly prevalent there. And it's prevalent out in California still. So there's some congregations in Southern California. And if you study the history, it started out west and made its way east over a long period of maybe a 20-year period of time. Preachers came east and brought it east with them. But Gospel Advocate publication, the most recent one, had a debate written between two members of the church. One on institutional, one what they refer to as mainstream, the, the 90, the normal Church of Christ. And they allowed both individuals to write their position. And it was there for you to read. And I really enjoyed it. I picked it up and I read it. And uh, one brother was from down in Florida that held an non-institutional position and one was from Tennessee that didn't. And they both were asked a series of questions and they wrote their responses. And I think I still have that at home. And you, you can get that. Uh, they have a website available or you can call them and I'm sure they'll send it to you for maybe... It may cost $3. I'm sure they'd send it to you for free if you want it. If you want a copy of that, it'd be for free if you ask them for it. So it's still being discussed somewhat today. Now what I was going to share with you, I was raised in the independent Christian church, as most of you know. First 20 years of my life, I was raised believing that choirs were authorized, mechanical instruments of music is what God wanted, 10%, you had to at least give that or you were cheating God. And I was taught those things growing up. I was always taught growing up that the churches of Christ were correct, but they do things a little different. They're just a little bit more stern, is what they would say, than we are, but we see them as brethren. When I got about 20, it really bothered me because the independent Christian church, and I'm not slandering them anyway, they would all tell you this. They believe in book, chapter, and verse. Absolutely. Every Christian church preacher I know that I was raised with to this day would tell you if it's not book, chapter, and verse, it's not by faith. So we had book, chapter, and verse for everything we did but these things I just mentioned. They were the ones that, well, God didn't say we can't, so it makes it okay. That was always the stance. If it was a sin, He would have said, do not do that. Well, they didn't employ that way of thinking in any other aspect of the church, just in those things. And that bothered me. No one ever said, well, we pray the way we do because God didn't say we can't. No one ever said that. They said, well, the Bible says pray without ceasing. The Bible says pray according to God's will to put His thoughts in front of yours in prayer. That they give you book, chapter, and verse. Take the Lord's Supper. They give you book, chapter, and verse on the first day of the week. To remember self-examination. Here's the example, Acts 27. But when it comes to mechanical instruments, we don't have any Scripture, but it's still okay because God didn't say we could. And that burdened me. It burdened me. Because it was a departure from everything else we taught. So I started studying on it. And as I studied on it, I studied myself right to where I'm at today in the Church of Christ. And thanks to God, I'm very thankful to God that I put that and stu- put that study in there. And the same for choirs and the same for solos and the same for worldly performances in the worship service. And that's, you know, we, we had bunny rabbits at, 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 in uh, Easter egg hunts right on the church property growing up and Santa Claus and all that sort of thing because it was for the kids. That's how it was always Defended. They knew, they say, we know this has nothing to do 
with the Bible. We're just doing this for kids, but what does that show everybody that drives by? You're not going to have an opportunity to tell them all. They're just going to say, well, the congregation there believes that Santa Claus has something to do with the good Lord. It is for kids, but we try to keep that separate and apart from worshiping God in spirit and truth. And when we study the history of those things, we find out that they came along with Catholic doctrine is where it came from. As a matter of fact, Christmas is abbreviated of Christ Mass, as you know. That's where that started. So I don't practice that religiously. We practice it family. We practice it for fun and enjoyment. We leave it right there. Don't try to bring it into the worship of Christ or God through Christ, okay? But I did all those things growing up. I was taught that that was just for fun and we'll leave it there, okay? But it wasn't because it came into worship. It was more than just for fun. And guess what? People came to those services. You'd never see them again for nine months, but they checked in on that service and checked in on quote-unquote Easter service, right? So it was more than just fun for individuals. Anyways, when I studied and started studying, I came across the non-institutional position. So I studied it as well in my early 20s. And I told myself, whichever way is right, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I started to lean that way. i got to be honest with you. When I first started looking at it, I was leaning the non-institutional way. I really was. And then I started studying a little bit closer. And I thought, here's what I learned. This is what burdened me. This is impossible to defend consistently. That's what I learned. If I tell you you've got houses to eat in, you can't eat anywhere else. You can never eat outside of a house. The Bible has said house. It must be a house. You can't eat at a restaurant, field, shelter, basement. has to be a house. Well, I'm not prepared to say that. That, that. that rigid doctrine cannot be right. But then I studied the abuses that were going on in Corinth, the divisions that were going on, and how they were striving to make a common meal out of what is holy. And in that case, you need to stay home. If that's what you're going to do, stay at home and don't burden people by bringing that in here. But that's not what we're doing at all. We can distinguish between the two. So as I studied on these things, I studied myself right out of it. Okay? I realize that if I hold the position that I cannot help a non-Christian, if you're a Christian, but your children are not, and I give you a loaf of bread, you can't give it to your children. I'm not prepared to tell someone that. I'm not prepared to say Jesus loves you, but He's really not that concerned about your children. Okay? I cannot say that. So that burdened me. And I've seen individuals depart from that doctrine over there. Brother Jeff Roberts left that position because another brother said, if you give me food, could I give it to Samantha? She comes to church every Sunday, but she's never been baptized. Now, she'd be hungry too, but she is not a member of the church. Could I give her a sandwich? And Jeff knew he had to say no. He knew he had to. Because if he said yes, his doctrine goes right out the window. So he said, I never thought about that. And he said, well, that's what you're teaching. You're teaching you can help me, but I can't help my daughter. Even though she comes and knows she hasn't made her decision yet, but she'll be starving and I'll be eating and I'm not prepared to eat in front of my child and let my child do without. And of course, the man that asked him was a disabled individual. He had a disability from the service. He was shot in the service. So he could not work. 
Okay? He said, so you can help me, but you know I can't provide for it. I can't physically work anymore. I have a spinal injury. So as I studied on those things, I studied myself right out of it in that position. Yes, sir. Fred, I believe with all my heart that studying right out of it is the way to go. Uh, we need to study with our brothers and sisters in Christ that are members of non-institutional. We don't need to be mean to them. We don't need to talk bad about them. But what they need to study. I will read this from 1912, the Providence Church of Christ. Okay? The Providence Church of Christ. They, they're having a meeting. been going on for 10 days. Sunday night, there were probably 1,000 people. That's what the newspaper article said. The yard was almost filled with the overflow, and it seemed a pity that another sermon could not be preached on the outside of the church, since so many were deprived of hearing the one in the church. The music has been an attractive feature of the meetings. The choir of about 50 voices led and conducted by Mr. Will Owens has sung the gospel with marvelous power, unaided by organ or other musical instruments. Okay, they clearly had a choir at the Providence Church of Christ in 1912. And they, Kevin and I talked about this other day. Most of the people, the other thousand, could not read. They would not have had song books. And they, they probably said, well, these people know this song and we'll sing these songs. Okay. Sure. We don't need to condemn those people, but we don't need to approve a choir for here today in 2019 when we can put them up on the board. Never want Everybody to can read, okay? It's a different era and a different time. People that are in error, which that, in my opinion, is in error. Yes. But we are not the judge, okay? We, and I'm not judging those people or making fun of them in any way. But people that are of the anti-institutional doctrine, we don't need to make fun of them or, 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 or mistreat them. We need to take care of the Stanford Church of Christ, but we do need to share what you have taught us and what we have learned from God's Word to those people. And hopefully help see that their need to take care. Because I believe with all my heart we're going to be judged on, did you take care of people that were hungry? True. Uh, I believe with all my heart they're going to be judged on the fact, did you preach and teach Jesus Christ? And did you live a life as much like Christ as you possibly can? And if you leave out any of those three things, then uh, we are, we're, we will come up short. That's why I look at it. Well, it's like the adage that's always given if I'm giving you directions to Lexington to a store and I tell you three-fourths of the way correctly but I don't tell you to make that right turn when you get there you'll never get to the store will you you got three-fourths there but you never made it to your destination so leaving one part out can make a crucial difference and I've heard I heard a preacher one time say I'm not going to name names to be respectful but you would know it you well know he said this I would rather save all the people with half the truth than half the people with all the truth. Now what do you think about that? That's what the man said. When he was challenged by someone from the church, he said, the person from the church said, friend, you know the Bible. You know what it says. Why won't you teach it? Why? I said, you have an audience of 5,000 people. Why won't you tell them the whole council? And that's what the man said. Well, I can reach all the people with what I teach. Right. But if I taught what you teach, which is what it says, 2,500 would leave. Yeah, I think it's what we're seeing today. Yeah, it is. It is. The time, all the tell them what they want to tell them to please, to appease the people. I guess sure. exactly now, why don't we have a choir here at the Stanford Church of Christ? Why, why, why not? We are told to sing. Why, what, does, what does Ephesians 5, 19... I mean, is the choir beautiful? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if I just want to say, if it's up to, if it's up to my opinion, you know, I mean, I'm sure there would be great entertainment, and we could get the best singers, and we could really have a good performance here if we put, you know, 15 folks up here and we just listen to them for so much. But is that what God asked for? Now, the first thing is God is God. That's right. That's the first thing I want to share with you. I figure since we t- we just touch on it real quick. We don't do things because Brent, but this isn't Brother Baker's church. Some folks say that, oh, you, you go down to Brother Shepherd Roy's church. I hate when people say that. I'll correct them. I'll say, no, that's, that's the Lord's church down there. I'm a part of it, okay? So we want to go to the Bible. We want to see what God asked for, and then we want to give that to Him because we love Him. He sent His Son for us. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of our adoration. So the Bible says, speak to one another. So I asked some friends of mine, I was, you know, when I started studying, I said, when's it okay not to speak to one another? When's it okay to... Because they would say, well, we do have congregational singing, but we also have where just 15 sing. And I said, well, when was it okay to take a break from speaking to one another? Where's your verse that says that's okay to do it separate from that? And they'd say, well, it's not, but got to look over it. You know, he, He's merciful. Well, He is merciful. I'm going to stop the judging right there. But what do I know for a fact? For a fact, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12 says, in the midst of the assembly, I will sing. Now that's written to everybody that read Hebrews. So, Sister Connie, Sister Tony, and Brother Shelby, and Brother Ben, that's for you. I have no right to come and say, Brother Ben, we're going to ask you to take a reprieve from Hebrews 2.12 for 10 minutes because I'm a really good singer. I want you to listen to Because Brother... Yeah, Brother Ben may say, okay. <laughs> Brother Ben has... That, that, would be, that would be sinful of me to place him in a position where he feels like he can't sing at that time. And that's why we let every Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian and you come into this assembly, you're welcome to sing. You're welcome. We are never going to say, now you can't participate during this song. We've just got the best up here. So that's one reason. That would be awful. That's one reason. Yes, sir. I also think, you know, you mentioned in our little paper about those two men that moved through here. And I really believe that got a lot of it started. It did, yes, sir. And the one mom remembers, uh, what was his name, Bass? Yeah. Brother Holt yeah. was the other, perhaps. Well, anyway, so I've been talking to Jonathan about something. So he took one of those papers with him. And his uh, wife's grandpa's real knowledgeable about it, and he's about mom's age. So he, he keeps notes. Every time he has went to a service, he'll write down who preached, what they preached about, and make little notes. He went back and pulled it up where that bass, had, he'd been, I don't know, I don't remember what congregation, but he had wrote down out from his name, very, very conservative. <laughs> and, and Vernon is a very, very conservative person himself. And uh, so I just kind of thought that was interesting that he had wrote that down about that man. And I just yes. think right in that time, a lot of people maybe was not real knowledgeable. They might that maybe kind of followed them and believed what they was telling. And that's sure. how a lot of them got started. I really believe that. 
And another thing I want to say is that me and Shelby talked about a lot, but since this has come up about all these uh, Church of Christ getting these letters about the money that this man has left, some of the stories I have heard from some of these congregations are making you want to cry or laugh. I'm not sure what, but a lot of them just refusing it for some of the most ridiculous reasons I've ever heard in my life. And yeah. It just, it's unreal, some of the stories I'm hearing. They received that letter in Perry County as well, and they called me to ask me if it was legitimate. I wanted to know if the elders at Stanford, and I told them, we can't help you because we're independent. I can't tell you that. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, I said, I said yes, yes. The, uh, the, the elders received that as well. So. Before you, before you end, whenever we wrangle with words and stuff like this, uh, the denominational world sees that, and they have yeah. someone from the denominational world has told me, he said, You're trying to teach me what the truth is, and y'all can't even get along yourself. Yes. That's, That's exactly the words a woman used to be one time, and I didn't have any defense for that. Well, sure. Satan has sold that discord there, Leland. Satan works in that to try to divide the truth so it can make it less accessible. He knows what he's doing. And you're right. We have to put our opinions aside and let the Bible do the speaking. We really do. Because I hold strong position that you may not hold. But when it comes to the Bible, we've got to do what God, regardless how I feel about it, if the Bible says it, that says it. And if we'll do that, we'll have unity. But it's difficult sometimes because we all have our thoughts. But we have to be willing.